Good morning. Welcome to Faith Over Breakfast. This is Brian Betts, your host. So excited to be here with Pastor oh. Andy Littleton and Pastor Eric mm-hmm. Seepen. I bet you weren't expecting that intro at all because wow. yeah, I was so <laughs> quiet and then... <laughs> Bam, what? I'm just so excited to be here. To our listeners in Japan, sorry that you have to decrease the volume by 50% this week, because Brian <laughs> is excited. He's That's really excited about Faith Over right. Breakfast. Well, how are you guys doing? How was your weekend? <laughs> it was good. Hey. What's your favorite color? What are you up to? <laughs> oh. Wow, this is off to a roaring start. I should slow down a bit here and say this is Faith Over Breakfast, Tucson, yeah. Arizona. Yep. We are here at Exo Coffee. I've got a Whiskey Town biscuit. Brian has a slightly different kimchi breakfast sandwich than he had last time. And I Eric's have got a maple scone and cold brew iced coffee. Yep. Thanks, Exo. It's delicious. We appreciate you. Eric is the pastor of a church in Tucson, Arizona called The Village. Brian is the head of the Department of Internal Services. And I, Andy Littleton, am the pastor of, or one of the pastors of Mission Church uh, in Tucson, Arizona. So we're here. We we get breakfast on Tuesdays. We've been doing this for a while. You're invited to the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to say we were. You're great host, Andy. Great host. The village. Yeah. Was rated as the fastest growing church in Japan. Oh yeah. Small and has no members there. Really. Wow. (laughs) You heard it here first. Yeah. the Cal Village Beach Magazine just, just ranked us in there. Fastest growing small churches with no members in Japan. Wow. Wow. That's impressive. Oh. I Should I be reading Outreach Magazine? Is this... Are they one of our sponsors? Not yet. We're trying. Oh, okay. <laughs> cool. All right. We'll work on that. Um, do we have a website? We don't, but we're getting there. Yeah, we're going to have a website someday. We also have an email, faithoverbreakfast at gmail.com. So if you have any questions, you can go ahead and send it to us on there. I'm trying to figure out the layout. That's what's uh, kind of the next step for me is kind of really us, is talking to you guys about the layout and what you want it to look like and stuff. Oh, yeah? The website? Yeah, so I'll be sure to have some pictures for you. Good deal. And then that'll be up sooner than later. It'll be really nice. Yeah. Well, so we're um, yeah, we're we're here. We've all had some crazy weeks. Eric was out last week, really busy. What was going on with you, Eric? Well, I've had this strange problem with my wife's car, where if you drive it for too long, it begins to slow down and die out. And you thought, ah, oh, maybe it's the alternator. Oh boy. Well, we charge the battery, take the leads off. I took the, I mean, took the charges off. Took the the negative wire off doesn't stall out alternator seems like it's working okay calling the mechanic he's like yeah it's not the battery it's not the alternator it's probably a charging problem so it's actually at the mechanic today because uh-huh. we haven't had time to get it there until oh. today so yeah we stalled out in that rain on oh, Saturday yeah. at, at Denny's on uh, I-10 oh man <laughs> yeah it was uh, interesting Man, that, leads, that that reminds me of one of our other sponsors, which is Volvo of Sweden. Um, oh, Eric, <laughs> Eric does not probably drive Volvos of America, the newer Volvos, but Volvos of Sweden. Yeah, I drive Volvos of Sweden. And uh, very dedicated to Volvos, it seems. You've got a, oh. a great Volvo mechanic. Mm-hmm. Roy. Roy. Maybe he wants to support us. Shout-outs to Roy, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Swedish Connection, Swedish maybe. Swedish Connection, yeah. yeah. we're looking for sponsors We here. are looking for sponsors. Um, and so, yeah, anyway. So, shoot. Mm. That's car trouble. It's the worst. Yeah, and maybe we should say that we're up to 31 listeners. Stop. 31 listeners. Yeah. How many are in Japan? Oh, we're going to check that out right now. We'll get some stats here. The locations. It's really important. Over the last five days... 45% of our listening has happened in Tucson, Arizona, and we've had 65 listens. Okay. Live Tokyo has given us 45 listens. Stop. Uh-huh. Wow. I see this on the screen. That 31% is from Tokyo. Very interesting. Well, and people Phoenix, in Tokyo, we thank you. And Tempe. No. All the way down to San Fran and New York City. Yeah. New York City. Yeah, so that's uh, pretty yeah. interesting. And then, yeah, so in the United States, Japan, Germany, and the Netherlands. 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 
Netherlands. These are our listeners. Norway, Shout out to my Sweden Netherlands. Sweden and Denmark. That's right. All of Sweden. <laughs> That's right. Maybe we, <laughs> Maybe we do have a chance. We do have a chance, people. <laughs> this is good. Oh, man. Um, I just want to make, I just want to give a tip to podcasters who eat breakfast during their podcast, which I know is a slim percentage, but don't get your egg over easy. It's just all over my stinking fingers. And this is ridiculous. Yeah, I think you have to go scrambled or over hard or something like that. Over hard would have been a good, I like over hard anyway. So anyway, it's probably my beard, which is perfect because you're doing Mevo camera of us. That's right, because our host, who, you know, the two pastors are always getting in his way. We are. We take over. I took over for the brand. Yeah. You guys, it's your podcast. I am just the host. I just like direct conversation. Oh, okay. Eventually, you might not need me anymore. So, okay. I'll try. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. At any rate. What were we about to say about you? We were about to say something about Brian. Oh, I don't know. Brian, what were we going to say about you? Nothing. <laughs> oh, I know what I was going to say. People in Japan can see Brian. Yeah. <laughs> Because oh, he yes. has said viewers, and we know that he wanted to be seen by them. And yeah. the viewer, when I said viewership and viewers, I was referring to the, the, our Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, but now we're really going to... We need that. We can't have you be a liar here at Facebook. Right? Yeah. So we yeah. work to keep the truth up front. There's a lot of people that are going to be very disappointed in Japan, and I'm sorry about that. Or, or, or not. Or we're going to start getting a flood like, of emails. Who's that weird guy... He doesn't have a beard. Or who's that <laughs> good-looking man? Yeah, uh, yeah, the other two. Yeah, we might be able to get you a spouse while we're at this. Hey, who knows? Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, that, all that said, that's yeah. quite a plan we have. There you go. <laughs> yeah. New goals. That's new goals. <laughs> yeah. But I, I will say, like thirty-one listeners, and I mean, in the last five days, sixty-five podcasts have been listened to. Wow. wow. In in uh, Tucson. Wow. Considering that that's, you know, in our case, I mean, look, you know, some people have a big following, some people have a band, some people have a a mega church. For us, this is like the equivalent of our whole church is listening. Yeah. I mean, almost, yeah, Yeah. if you were to count families and stuff. So, hey, in our world, this is great. Thanks, listeners. We appreciate you. Yeah. And if you, you know, want to get on the show, you should listen and we might give you an opportunity to get on the show. We might give you an opportunity. Yeah, yeah. we yeah, we're gonna start we wanna have our friends to breakfast. So, you know, folks in Japan, tickets are tickets are cheap. Yeah, they're yeah, cheap. Yeah, come on out. Faith over breakfast at gmail.com, just email us. We respond pretty quickly actually. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. And so yeah, anyway, we're we're here to talk. We're we've had stuff going on, we're pastors, things are happening. Um I just Late last night, watched Dunkirk in 70mm at our local small theater. Did you so, watch that with your wife? No, uh-uh, she was working. Okay. went with, it was guys' night out. Oh, okay. Five of us. Five men watching a war movie. War movie, which, how many women were in that movie? In the movie? Yeah, in the movie. Ooh, not a lot. Not a lot. I, I remember at one point I was struck because there was a, yeah, it's a really moving scene where all the... I can't tell you, can I? I can't tell you about this movie. There's a moving scene, and in the scene, I was struck by, oh, there's a woman in the scene. Oh, that wow. really, and I think they did that on purpose, but, um, you know, just to just to show that women are involved in this. But yeah, this was, there were not a lot of women in this movie. As I'm sure there were also not a lot of women in the Absolutely. historical event. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, yeah, I got... I, I watched Dunkirk and made so, me think of made me think of military, made me think of war. We have an interesting we have interesting perspectives here at the table on this. Um, Brian has just recently admitted that he is actually involved in the military. Yeah, but this, that podcast won't air. So yeah, it, but I am in the military. Look back, yes. look back at our last podcast, folks. It, it will eventually <laughs> air. Yeah, it'll it'll air. There's some. Years from now, it's it's caught day. up in some legal stuff, but yeah. we're, yeah. we're we think we're pretty. Clear. We just have to check with our lawyers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're gonna look into it. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> we're gonna look into it. <laughs> <laughs> He's the head of the legal department. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he is. The lawyers say no, we can't do it. I don't know. I, like I was actually thinking about it, but they they said no. So 
my, my hands are tied. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of more government mumbo-jumbo to me. No, I know. The government does not know how to do things effectively. But so you are in the military. I am in the military, yes. I'm an aircraft mechanic. Yes. There it is. And if, yeah, and that's why he's so clean-shaven and we're yeah. not. No. Well, I, really, I'm, no. I've been on leave today and yesterday and this weekend, so hypothetically I should have some hair but the reason why I don't have a beard <laughs> is because, one, I can't grow one as best as I could. Mm-hmm. I have, like, seven armpit hairs total. I have, like, nothing. Let me see. I'm, like, 26. I'll Show the viewers. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. Like, That's at least 200, right? I see yeah, right there. Yeah, but barely. Like, yeah. for a 26-year-old with no chest hair mm. at all. Yeah. I'm, I Like, if I grow out my hair, like, on my chin and face, mm-hmm. it looks awful and patchy. That's not even self-deprecating. That's just honest. Yeah. Like, Sometimes we have to be honest about those. Other times we just don't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One of Eric's signature moves is being honest about his chest hair. I mean, if you're... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes, like, I forget that this button right here is... Uh... But, but Andy's helpful to remind me to get fully dressed. Yeah. You look great, though. I Before look the great. podcast. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it goes with your very honest, open vibe. Yeah. I think a lot of people appreciate it. This is who I am. See? <laughs> I mean, if I had the gold chain, I would have been more comfortable with that. I'm glad you caught me on that one because yeah. I'm like, you know, that was not on purpose to show off my chest hair to everybody. Oh, man. So, anyway, I've watched Dunkirk. We have, oh, oh uh, and, and then Eric um, is, you would say, a pacifist. Yes, I'm, I'm yeah, a form of pacifist. A form of pacifist. Which form? <laughs> <laughs> the more reformed form, the reformed pacifist. Yes, that's a great book. Uh huh. pacifist. Yeah, well, that's it's complicated. Well, tell us because I've come to that, of, you know, over the years. Mm-hmm. I think I have no problem with people enlisting in the military, and that, so I'm not a person who would resist the draft if I were younger. Okay, those kinds of things. But you would I not would, reject Brian. No, here. but I would uh, like be part of <laughs> 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 I, I would have to be part of a, of a support staff uh, you know I'd have mm-hmm. to be in a place where I wasn't carrying a weapon mm-hmm. and the more I think my issues come in uh, we live in a democracy where I hand over my powers to people mm-hmm. and so I am not comfortable saying elected you know representative Andy I am not voting if you for you or anyone in your position if you have the power to take somebody else's life because I don't want to give you that power like my power to say it's okay so I affirm that you're going to send people to war or so you are uncomfortable with that or you are I'm not comfortable okay. so I, I think that the issue for me is I don't vote for presidents I don't vote for state and representatives or senators because they all have the power to take life Certain judges, I don't vote. You know, I won't vote for. You hear, heard it here first. Eric Seepin did not vote for Donald Trump. I did not vote because he didn't Trump. vote for anybody. I, well, I did. Or, I wrote in my housemate uh, as you know, kind yeah. of a protest vote. But, okay, but yeah, um, that's interesting. So you would be a part of the military as a support, yeah. but you would not vote for somebody who could exercise violence, right? So you so you would in in the criminal world yes drive the car but not rob the store <laughs> yeah very interesting I mean it's complicated in that sense I think there's a, a level of obeying authority and mm-hmm. if the authority drafts me then I can say oh I will I will follow up to this point okay um, because we're all complicit all the time in That's everything right. right. And so, it's, at, at what level of complicit are you willing to be? Um, if you brush your teeth with Crest or right. use a, a cheap toothbrush, you are exploiting yep. kids in, all over the world in third world countries. Right. So, we're complicit yeah. in violence and complicit in oppression. It, so, you do have to, do, you have to, I guess, own that. Mm-hmm. And you're right, you really can't. And, and I've, yeah, I, I get the tension with all that. But then, um, 
to own that, and then but you have to decide how complicit will I be. Yes. And for you, that placing people in authority is problematic. But if someone is in authority, you will submit to that up to a point. Yes. And the point is uh, meeting somebody else's life. Okay. So, but at the same time, you know, and people here, I'm a pacifist. They ask that great question. Someone's breaking into your house. They're about to kill your wife. Are you going to defend them? Or are you just going to let them? That is the question. And, yeah. And my answer is is really simple. I, I will defend them. Um, I don't have a problem with violence. I have a problem with taking people's lives. Yeah. Um, I just feel like that's not my place. And it's the position of the early church. The early church would not allow you to be an executioner. Couldn't be a senator in the Roman Senate. You couldn't be a centurion, but you could be part of the support staff. So any kind of violent place where you have the power to to take somebody's life. All right. So that's kind of where I stand in that. Yeah. But, I mean, in some way, I mean, if you voted for President Bush or, you, or Obama, these are two of the most violent presidents of our time. Right. That they launched multiple, you know, um, attacks against people with, with drums. Right. Um, no. It's like, it's like a very detached violence, too, it's, which is very, I, I don't know, this could be a sidetrack, but I'm not, this, this is not a pro-violence statement here, but I'm, I just think it is very different to like go to war in a man-to-man, face-to-face, woman-to-woman, person-to-person right. situation where you have to look at the humanity of a person versus war in which you do not have to encounter the humanity of a person. And I would assume the second would be much... In a way, it would seem maybe easier to do and feel okay about, but we are getting an awful lot of... There are an awful lot of people very psychologically damaged by the new warfare. Yes. And I think we're still trying to understand that. Yeah. Um, but, but it's, you know, it, something about, it, it, it does, uh, it doesn't feel as violent when you hear about it. Oh, there's a drone strike. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, you know, that's like my little remote control car, you know, I drove it into a, into a little village and shot some, you know, like a video game. Yeah. Um, but it's not. No, it's not. Not even close. Yeah. No. And I also, like, I'm very different in my pacifism than that. That's why I say I'm, you know, whatever. I don't know what kind of modifier you put on it. But I don't have a problem with you say. Now, I think scripture is very clear that I not only should be in the military, but when there's injustice, the country who can stop that injustice needs to intervene and if violence is the intervention then that's what we need to do and if I need to take somebody's life to do that I think that's okay I'm actually okay with that I'm okay with you having that position that's just not and I'm okay with you I won't say you're wrong I think that's it's not something that's clear it's just a a thing of conscience I feel for me personally not for my country I'm not saying my country should be possible I'm just saying I have the privilege at this point. <laughs> Eric Seepin yes. at the Village Church in Tucson, Arizona, is a reformed personal pacifist. Yes, that would be a good title on a reformed personal pacifist. <laughs> and where do you stand? Yeah, well, thanks for asking, because I'm still, right now I'm trying to figure that out. Um, on the fly. Yeah, no, I, well, I'll just say, I, I don't know. Um, I, I go back and forth. I actually, I studied in a very pacifistic school in Chicago. That was interesting for me because I'd, I'd kind of grown up. What school is that? The Seminary Consortium for Urban Pastoral Education. Ding, ding. Sponsorship. Yeah. It that is. sounds like either like a special secret martial arts group of people. <laughs> and it, and or... it might be. <laughs> um, it was called Scoop for short. It's in downtown Chicago. It's wow, a, cool. Yeah, they a lot of seminaries feed students in often for a year of okay. urban ministry training. I just took their program. Um, just on the side but um but yeah I mean I I you know so I had a I'm here I was I was early 20s and I didn't go to college I went I went into car audio right so I went I was kind of a I was like a kid who listened to Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre so that's pretty pacifistic right there right there yeah and then some of the most pacifist rap I know yeah absolutely yeah like I'm gonna kill you you blankety blank 
the epitome of. Yes. Yeah. And so then, I yeah, I, I kind of grew up listening to that sort of stuff, and I lived in a trailer park, and I went to church, and, you know, and, and I punched one kid in high school because he was driving me nuts for about a month, and that felt pretty weird. And then, so that's, there you go. And then I, and then I show up in this school where I've got, you know, professors who disarmed nuclear weapons and, um, you know, various, you know, been arrested for that and various things. So then I was confronted with their point of view, which was very different, very intriguing, interesting to me, because I really wanted to see faith, you know, have an impact. I wanted to see things differently than I had seen them, you know, in the churches I grew up in. So it was all very interesting to me, but also... You know, it left me with a with a ton of questions, and I think I asked the very question you just asked of one of my professors. You know, something to the effect of, "So somebody breaks into your house, right? What do you? You're just going to say, hey, man, please, please leave.' You know, is it possible that you could not bother us at this time? We're, yeah, we're sleeping. It's been a long day. Right. I would really prefer if you would do to me as you would have me do to you and what I would do to you is I would not have come in your house in the first place so if you could please do that and just reasonably take the back door here is a skittle bag from Halloween yeah and ten bucks yeah yeah go and be at peace I was gonna say like three bucks give himself another candy part if the skittles isn't filled right but ten bucks this is why you're a lot more generous than I am Right. So I so I asked that question, and of course the professor very kindly told me that was a you know a question everybody asked, and it was really quite ignorant, which made me feel really ignorant. And but it still didn't help me figure that out. And uh, and yeah, and then that's you know I just wrestled with that, and then and then you know as part of a really conservative church where we had you know military generals as elders and stuff like that, and that didn't sit quite right with me either and and even this morning a buddy of mine last night um, who went to Dunkirk with me just got out of the Coast Guard um, and he he suggested a podcast with Shane Claiborne Chuck Colson and Greg Boyd and they were all discussing uh, it was on, yeah it was on being um, the podcast and, and so I was actually listening to that this morning while I was kind of trying to unclog a drain before coming here to Faith Over Breakfast so you know I I, I hear I hear all these perspectives and I and I see I think Greg Boyd on that podcast was complaining about the kind of the nationalism that he's seen within the church and the kind of the mixture of you know like jets flying over crosses and American flags in the sanctuary and all that does not sit right with me at all especially having experienced global Christianity several times in my life it just doesn't that just doesn't compute for me or sit right um, and you know but at the same time you know, seeing like kind of the biblical injunction for authority and, you know, and, and bearing the sword and, and the place for that, but then feeling like that's so often not um, reined in well, and I think we blindly support such things. So anyway, all that to say, I, I don't feel like I have this position of pacifist or straight up like get behind your military. You know, I, I feel like it's, I guess... You know, and I'm sorry to not take a position, but I just think it's super case by case. Like, I would really want to like hear and understand a lot about a conflict before I were to give any form of endorsement to it, and I would probably endorse very few at the end of the day if I could know as much as I wish I could know. And I feel very just in the dark on what most of what's going on. And I, as most other millennials or exennials, as new articles have deemed me, um, I'm not so sure I trust the the people up top that they're they have the right motives. So I struggle with all that. Yeah, no. There you go. That's yeah. what many of us are. Right. Yeah. And what what's the what's that? I I named your position. You named mine. <laughs> I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think you named it as the ex-millennial. I have this is a new. Uh, I missed this article. Oh I'm man! I'm usually up on this. You're you the. Uh oh. Yeah, you're the generations guy. Yeah, I love, yeah. Well, you mean those people who are caught in those early '80s and they don't yeah. know what to call them. 
I'm going to pull this up on the screen. Yeah, I I was reading an article just recently, and she was saying, oh, Millennials started in 1982, and I'm like, no, they started in 1984. Um, And, yeah, so there's lots of disagreement about that little cusp. All right, there's the Guardians talking about it. The Huffington Post is talking about this. Yeah, Huff Folks, Post trying to be trendy. Huff Post. This is this is new stuff. This is June 2017. You heard it right here. Breaking news on Breaking the news. Breakfast. Yeah. Zennials. 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 Oh yeah, <laughs> you don't pronounce the X. Wow. The X micro X. generation ah. between Gen X and Millennials. We're all tired of hearing about Millennials. I agree, but there's a new group. Sorry, there. Hey, I'm tired of hearing about me too. Okay. There's a new group we're about to be t- talking about a lot more. Defined as the generation born between 1982, right here, yep. and 2004. Millennials are aged between 13 and 35. I'm 34. The generation before Gen X spanned another 20 years, beginning in 61, ending in 81. With such, such a large cohort, it's hard to imagine everyone in these demographics identifies with the perceived persona of these Generations interxennials, the new term being used to describe people being born between 1977 and 1983. So I'm on the very end of that. Are you in it? I was born in 1972. No. No. You're Gen X. Yeah. I am Gen X, and I identify as an Xer. Yeah. And they describe Xers. I'm like, oh, I'm that plus my friend. Yeah. So then it says, like the pessimistic. Eric Siepens, Gen Xers before them, this micro-generation is not as tech-savvy as the millennials who are considered digital natives. Right. And that is true, because I did not grow up with cell phones and computers. And, right. And I still, you know, when somebody goes, hey, Andy, do you want to start a website for Faith Over Breakfast? I, I go, uh, can somebody else do that? I mean, I didn't really grow up with them either, to, yeah. to clarify. I didn't grow up with computers. Like, like my parents... But you were raised by wolves, so that's different. Yeah, that's true. Right. And so Sorry, you... I didn't interrupt. You your parents. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, no, I, like, they... We, we didn't have a lot. So, uh, I, I... Everyone else had, like, the, the Razor. That was a huge... Yes, the Razor. And everything. Oh, it was, like, the la- last years of high school uh, and early years of college that, like, smartphones became huge and that they became so... Uh, feel like huge yeah, yeah huge everybody had them like the screens are 10 inches now exactly but I didn't have anything like that I think my, my first phone was this little flip phone in my sophomore junior year and uh, yeah. I rarely used it I was great at T9 but like I was still a bad texter T9 yeah T9 yeah that's uh, <laughs> how you text on flip phones yeah yeah so I there, there's I've had this discussion with some other friends of mine who are like around the year that I was about how we didn't grow up with it, but we were so still integrated with it. Like it's still so much a part of like right. our lives, and uh, so like there's like this weird nostalgia that like some people have never just a few years after me they they they, they don't know life without this stuff. Yeah, and I still remember it. Yeah, so. It's really weird. So, because I've I've heard 1984 around there being millennials, and I've heard 1994 yeah. be millennials. Uh, and I, I think, and it, they they, I've seen both. Like yeah. I, I can see how I've seen 1984 be millennials in terms of like how you would imagine a millennial to be. And I've seen people uh, 92. My uh, younger brother, my older brother especially, he's 1989. Uh, he's just not like yeah. he's a, he's a generation X. Where yeah. he's he's more micro, yeah, uh, the micro generation. But. Now, the burning question to me from all that was just said is: if you were raised by wolves, <laughs> <laughs> would you be a mom? pacifist? Right, I don't think so. <laughs> and is the environment, is the natural world pacifist? Right. I've grown up just seen a lot of killing because we needed to in order to survive as wolves and I, it gets exhausting you know all that raw meat yeah, yeah, yeah. and it tastes terrible <laughs> so, no time to cook it and season it only because it. You, were, you were raised by wolves but to the wolves themselves it tasted delicious right but yeah. not to change the subject but I, yeah. I think that the interesting <laughs> so okay you, you're kind of in the middle 
I I would say like I I just struggle. I'm not. I don't feel like I've decided. Right. You yeah. Know, or so you have probably I, some like justice and and pacifist. Yes. Like a, a need to exercise justice, yeah. and then a sense of maybe no, we got to restrain this. Yeah. When I we talked about this a little bit before, and you even talked about you didn't know you had an option. Uh, yes, uh, the uh, observer. Uh, I can't remember the actual term. Even though I just saw uh, the movie, which I'm also forgetting, uh, Hacksaw Ridge. I just saw it again this past weekend uh, with my family it was on TV, and uh, I. Uh, the, the lead character uh, he was uh, uh, an observer I can't remember the term it's bothering me but basically opted out of using a gun and he's right. out in the field and it's a great story uh, and if I had I known I would have been that kind of observer where I was like I opted not to use a gun I would have opted not to use a gun yeah. uh, I've asked people have asked me similar scenarios not necessarily with the wife thing but if I was like downrange and I had a gun, because I almost did that, I was supposed to uh, last year, but um, because of how the shoes, I wasn't able to deploy. But uh, let's do something like that. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure what it would have actually looked like. But I was asked, like t- talking about war and killing and everything. I said I would so much rather like get a table and and have a conversation with whoever's on the other side of that uh, ISIS whatever ISIS I'm like oh let's have a conversation let's like talk about it because I think we can clear things up but they're not willing to have that conversation and I would I that's like, the hard part right? exactly and if uh, they're willing to have the conversation I'm like let's drop the guns and I I, I don't want to kill either like I, I really in, in terms of defending someone else I would um do everything I can to stop them. I it, I would hope that I would not have to kill them, but I don't know what kind of person would like go until the end. You know, and really commit to so, that. So there was that'd be unfortunate. But you know, some foreign affairs guy was on NPR talking about North Korea um, sometime last week, and basically, you know, somebody was asking him, you know, do you think North Korea will continue to develop its nuclear weapons? And he said, absolutely. Like they're yes like they no doubt and they were like what do you think we can do about it you know do you think we should intervene and and you know go to war with them and he kind of said you know I think that will only make things worse I think they will strike on their innocent neighbors and so on and so forth and he said okay so then what what do you have to do and he said you have to negotiate with them and he said what do they want and he said they want all their restrictions they want to be able to do what they want to do they want to be able to sit at the table and have power and be respected as they want to be they want to be viewed and have a seat at the table like every other country that's what they're pushing for that's what this is all about is for people to legitimize them and treat them as if they haven't committed any crimes and and do all this stuff and you know and the guy was like so should we do that you know do you overlook the crimes do you just say okay fine you're a part of the you're a full-fledged member of the united nations so on and so forth no problem we respect you we're going to praise you publicly you know and and he and herein lies the conflict where he's like well basically he's like you shouldn't do that but he was basically saying i guess sure that would be better than the war but then is it to to overlook all these you know horrendous acts and and so it's like that's where the like I agree with you that I would really like because just thinking about when I was listening to this on the radio I thought this how do you what do you do because when you sit down to negotiate and say let's drop the weapons you're assuming that people are coming from the same place you are of saying like look my main goal is I just I just want us all to get along but people have other goals and you know, and we should know that well as Christians that we don't always have the goals we should have, right? Right. Um, and so, yeah, it. I mean, the complexity. I can't imagine being an elected official who has to engage with this and say, like, we either like decidedly say no to this person and say no, you can't do this, and then risk them doing further atrocities or sweep things under the rug and say, look, no big deal. Come to the table. We'll treat you like a friend. Well, and I think uh, there's the complexities of being a ruler. Yeah. 
which is complex. Yeah. But then there's the complexities of of what is the role of the church. Yeah. Um, and if yep. you think about Jesus is a failed revolutionary. Yep. Who ultimately his role, I mean what he did was to be crushed by the government. Yep. An attempt to reform is crushed. And he has to decide even there if he understands that. Like if yep. he because he has his own doubts and he decides. You know, he looks down on the cross, he looks at his family, he looks at John the you know, he looks and he says, Okay, I'm going to go ahead and go through this. I'm gonna die right. and I'm gonna forgive and I'm gonna Right. And so, like, when I think about these things as a church, I think, well, there's the kingdoms that God establishes and tears down, but there's a, a kingdom yeah. that hasn't been torn down yeah. that exists in the U.S., exists in Korea, it exists all over the and world. And transcends all of those. Right. right. And those are the people in which we are all together with. Yeah. It, it, there are no borders to that kingdom. And that kingdom is one that speaks the gospel to power and, and is crushed by power. Right. And, and that's the role of the church and I don't think we like that because that's actually no. more terrifying because it puts us with the poor and the downtrodden yeah. and, the, and the ones who who don't get things because they don't use power to get them yeah no I I, uh, I see that and I think that's in this the podcast this is where Boyd and Claiborne were were landing the most was on this the, the idea of the church as the counterculture and I I can Completely, I mean, maybe I shouldn't. I don't know if I could articulate their full position, but I, I very much understand and agree with that. Um, I guess then the only other nuance I would add is like, so then you're right. The church doesn't operate like the like the government, where it's a it's a very different reality where serving is great and dying and suffering is powerful versus exercising force. But then. Um, even in Jesus doing all that, like he never, I, mean, I don't know, this is an, this is an int- new thought to me, but in doing all of that, like he doesn't say that the, uh, the authorities were wrong necessarily for putting criminals to death. No, like, he, he suffers under it. Right. He doesn't, he doesn't speak out against this. So he doesn't become this, like this religious group that's, he, he's not like the picketer who, Right. Right? He doesn't do that either. Well, and that's where, like, and I can't remember if it was Walter Brueggemann or Howard Wallace saying Howard Wallace, where I kind of veer off from them in the sense that they, they talk about the church's role, obviously, is towards poverty. Right. And to the poor. And Jesus talks about that constantly. Right. But then they also say that we have to organize as churches and, and protest. Right. Um, and speak against what's happening in our culture. Right. Um, and I agree we need to remove the flags. We've got to get rid of the flags in our churches. I know that's hard in the Bible Belt, but we have right. to like, have get rid t- of the nationalism. Yeah. And you yeah. still have it up, but you're working on it. We are. Yeah. One star at a time. No. <laughs> no we never had a flag and people would kill me, and that's right. what we did. But, um, but those are those things we have to do. But I don't know how politically activist-oriented I think. Right. Because when I look at Jesus, I'm like, he was religiously an activist. Yeah, he spoke against the pastors, basically, and the elders right. of the existing church, and they're not taking care of the poor and mm-hmm. not taking care, and yes. they're being in bed with the power. Yeah, so I think that part of activism we're called to, like I'm called to call that out anew, and vice versa. Yeah, and the larger church, we should be speaking against how that the church operates in culture. It sort of seems to me, and I. I mean, I guess this is a big, this is an assumption, but I, I would assume it had to be very confusing to follow Jesus. Because I think we've talked about here before, like you've got this mishmash of, of you know, you've got a zealot with a tax collector, um, you know, and then later on you've got Roman centurions coming to the faith along with certain Pharisees. And then other Pharisees are definitely being, being you know, Jesus is pulling the rug out from under him. And, yeah, definitely. And obviously not a lot of Roman centurions were interested, you know, maybe a few. But following Jesus had to be this weird thing where people felt like this strange, like, draw, like this is truth. But then they're thrust into this community of very different folks who all have that same sense that this is truth, but they 
I mean, I, can you imagine walking around, you know, like at the zealot and the tax collector, there's 12 people walking around following Jesus from one town to another, and they're all just talking about life, you know, and how, right. and, and the one thing that binds them together is Jesus. And, and outside of that, you know, a, f- a few of them, oh, we all fish together. Well, I didn't fish. I didn't, you know, yeah. it, it was, it wasn't like this community that just understood each other and then also got Jesus. It was a community right. that didn't understand each other at all and the only thing they had in common was Jesus. Um, and anyway, it seems like that should be the case in Christianity now. Um, that, that really, you should look around your church and go, how in the world am I united with these people yet have a deep sense that you are in Jesus? Yeah. And if you look around and go, of course I'm united with these people because I think exactly the same as them, then there's probably not a lot of gospel going on. Like, this probably isn't a gospel-centered community. It's really a a cultural-centered community. Right. I would agree with that. Yeah. So, right. So you can't, yeah. So flags. Like, we don't unite around the flag. We don't unite around whatever. We don't unite around a certain um, thing we protest. Right. Right? Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. I mean, I, I think the funny thing, even in our our church, I have to laugh is that it's it's almost gone back to the early church, and that we've moved to all these food laws, where you know we have people who are. I always say we have people who love In and Out and promote In and Out. We have our right. vegetarians. We have our paleo people. Then yeah. we have a large group of people who can't eat watermelon and have like fruit, <laughs> serious fruit and and food allergies that are, you know, that are coming on more. So you all of a sudden, now when you sit down, the one thing that used to be we could all just sit down and eat together, we're back to the early church where we're separated by what we eat, which is a whole new interesting thing. Except it used to be laws, and now it's uh, it's allergies and And, laws. Yes, and laws. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, there's, you know. Yeah, man, that's true. I feel like a lot of the things that that could separate in our community are some, there's some, there's a lot of that too. Um, and then just interestingly for a, a time that's supposed to be, you know, morally relative, mm-hmm. like there are so many moral stances that are being <laughs> like that right. you have to hold. Right. And, and I get valuing things. I mean, I've been wrestling with this with our business that, you know, I, we want people to value, I have, a, I have a business, we make furniture, so we want people to value furniture handmade in your community, you know, that where the, the money that you pay for your furniture goes back into people in your community and, and you don't outsource it out to unethical companies. We, we value that, right? And so, but will I be united in a church with somebody who doesn't value that? Right. Yeah, and you that's know. the question, and and we are now, and I hope that I hope that our moral conviction on that, like, doesn't become the new law that you have that we place in front of, like, you know, it's we're we're Christians and we buy ethically produced furniture. Those that's the two pathways into here, or we, or we're vegan, right? Or we're whatever, you know. Well, and it's, I mean. This is a little different, but it's sort of along the same lines. In that, like, you think about Paul, and here he is—he's a Roman citizen, and right. the Romans are horrible. Right. And he doesn't get rid of his Roman citizenship. No. He uses it. He manipulates yeah. the system to get whatever he wants, so that he can get the gospel to go forward. You heard it right here, Pastor Eric Seepin. How to manipulate the system? Oh, well, I think Paul's an, I mean, an instruction yeah. to us, and that it's in some ways. The morality of the government is not our issue. Right. Using them to pre- preach the gospel yeah. is part of our yeah. mission. Yeah, and so that's, that's where terrifying. you. I mean, yeah, and you should, and you so you should pull the card of like, look, freedom. There are certain freedoms that are guaranteed to me, but at the same time, pull the card of like, look, I'm not, I'm not 100% beholden to you. Right. Yeah. And I'll take your beating. Right, right. And then I'll tell you I'm a citizen. Yeah, yeah, and and that, and you should feel shame for what you've done. Yeah, yeah. No, it's all it's all very complicated. But that that piece, the willingness to suffer, is something that, and I, I 
wrestled to even speak of that because I, you know, are you willing to suffer? Um, am I, you know, I haven't been faced with that. Um, not the way that many have. So it, it's one thing to say it, right? But, um, but it's one thing to, to get mad and fight your fight for your freedoms. But like you're saying, Jesus and so many of the, the disciples, they said, look, you know, the kingdom of God is more important to me. If I have to suffer under your, under your law, I, that's fine. I will accept that because that, that's how I speak to the fact that this is greater, more beautiful, and more important. In fact, my life on, here on earth and my life as a citizen here is of very small importance compared to my eternal citizenship and my eternal hope. And I think sometimes our fighting for this place and space and system betrays the fact that we aren't so connected to our eternal hope. I like that. Brian, you are in the military. What are you thinking about this? Uh, Well, I kind of shared my position. Uh, I've... We talked about the last week uh, that I was bullied. Yeah. So just make it even more reason not to post last week's episode. But I... <laughs> no, no, I, 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 uh, I was bullied, and I, I actually had a conversation with this, but uh, like early this year, uh, and a counselor had asked me, like, "Oh, hey, like, do, uh, don't you wish you had your military training to kind of teach those guys lesson?" Uh, uh, and I, I said, "No." I was like, "I wish that I had kind of had the wisdom to to fuse that situation." Because I feel like now, now I would I would have had kind of discernment, and I'd be able to, in a sense, talk my way out of it. But I, it would have changed. What would it, the only thing that would have changed in terms of like my response, if like if I had uh, fought back, was if someone else was being attacked and I was there, I would step in. Mm-hmm. But if I'm just taking the hits, if my life's threatened, I'd run and I sprint. Yeah. Uh, but I, it, it's, I, I don't respond with the same uh, attitude in a sense. I don't fight back. So it sounds like your where you land on this is if it's me, I'm not. This isn't you know worth a fight. Yeah, I take the hits right around. But, but then if there's that. someone who's weak, who's being attacked. And I would assume you could identify with that person and kind of wish someone had intervened for you, right? Yeah. That you would that that you would intervene on the behalf of somebody who was weak and couldn't fight for themselves. Yes. Yeah. And I, I I like your your stance in terms of elected officials as well. Is that that's more like my personal choice? I don't, I don't like. I don't want to keep anyone else from their personal choice either, and I certainly. But I don't know if I would uh, specifically elect someone who would make decisions differently. So there's a conflict there too, and that's yeah. more something that I would have to think about and pray about. But I, because I, I work for people very closely who uh, would actively just like lay them out they're gone I, I don't want to see them breathe because they've done atrocities and stuff like that right so uh, they're not just like anybody they're just like people who have, are doing injustices so yeah. yeah like you said it does get complicated yeah but it's very complicated in a lot of ways I am a pacifist and uh, I don't and I said that before as like in a lot of ways I am a pacifist but I, I shouldn't really commit to that right. personally because I'm still figuring things out yeah but yeah yeah I relate to that still figuring things out yeah suppose sometimes do you ever feel side note as a pastor Eric that as a pastor you're supposed to have like positions on everything I feel like I'm supposed to have positions on everything on everything I feel like it I'm, and I don't I'm just you know I don't have a position on this per se and you know, I, I find it deeply complex, and I would love if I had great clarity on it someday, but I'm not sure if I will. 
Yeah. I mean, I think sometimes the need, people's need to have, you have a position so that they can be forced to think. Right. So that's the hard part, is that, like, if you don't have a position, and you're not going to say anything forceful, it's hard for them to, like, they need something to react to, because we're such a reactionary culture. Right. So I think that's probably why they push pastors and people in authority to have a position. Right. Because they want to react to you. Right. And that's they, a, it solidifies their perspective, yeah. or, it like, they're looking for someone to argue with. It's right. like, a reason why they're right and you're wrong. Or to right. counter an argument they heard that they're really uncomfortable with, and they're hoping that you can articulate something more clear, something that they it, can grab onto and say, "I'm with him." Yeah, 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 yeah. or her, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So I think those are. Yeah, I think I have gotten to the point where I'm just either I have a position, or I'm just okay not having one. Yeah. You know, sometimes when people ask me to have a position. Or they like want to know what I think, and I don't think. Yeah. Uh, then I it forces you to be like, okay, well, maybe I need to have a more serious yeah. process, of, you know, yeah, and think this through and be able to articulate something for them. It doesn't have to be a position, but certainly a way of thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I mean, it's sometimes there's just too many things that have opinions about. It gets overwhelming. It does get very overwhelming. And then as as your church starts to... Can you imagine having a mega church of thousands of people with all these different opinions that were all hoping for something from you? I, I can't keep up with, like, the idea that there are a hundred people in our church that are coming from different perspectives and that ten of them want to know what I think about something is absolutely overwhelming to me. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, I don't have to worry because we only have 80 adults, so we're good, like... I hear it. I want you to hear a hundred adults. Not like the whole ideas. And that's for that's the threshold. Yeah, it's the threshold. Thanks. No, I don't know threshold. where we are. <laughs> <laughs> it's the summer in Tucson, Arizona. Nobody knows yeah. how many people go to your church. Yeah. Yeah. Between 115 degree days and absolute floods. All right. And, yeah. Well, if you go, so let's just say you said a hundred and ten want to know your opinion. Yep. And you have a thousand, which is not even a mega church. No. So now you're going to multiply that times ten. Yeah, got a hundred so people. hundred people want to know what you think, or want you to take a position on something. Oh my gosh! No, I, I'm in, don't. I'm retiring really fast from that job. Yeah. Man, that's rough. I, I don't know. I think our podcast went pretty well. I think so too. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in, everybody here in Tucson, Arizona, Tokyo, down to the Netherlands. Yeah. This is Faith Over Breakfast with Pastor Angel Littleton and Pastor Eric Seaton. <laughs> I know. Thank you for watching. There you go. Oh, yeah. Ooh. And listening for those who are just listening.